Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Pastor Justin Cooper coming to you today from the KNVBC studio at the North Valley Baptist Church here in Santa Clara, California. My, what a privilege it is to have you join me for the broadcast today. And what an honor is mine to take the King James Bible and to share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. I'm recording today on a day different than normal. In fact, it's Saturday, and uh, I don't know what day you'll hear the broadcast, but as I speak it, it's Saturday, and uh, we just got back in from soul winning, and I want to encourage you, go out soul winning. You ought to. Find a time, find a place, find a person, a partner, go. Get a gospel track. Tell somebody how to get saved. You know, I found out folks who are soul winning, they don't have time to complain. Folks that are soul winning usually don't uh, uh, don't cause much trouble. Soul winning people uh, really live on the revival side of life because I believe, honestly, the, per- the fastest way to personal revival is through personal soul winning. You go out there and you win someone to Christ, and it's going to take that cold heart and put some heat back in it. And uh, it'll revive the Christian life. And so that's what we've done. Now it's preparation day after this for Sunday school tomorrow. And I want to challenge you Sunday school teachers listening, no doubt. Uh, Many of you listening in teach a Sunday school class. You work with children. uh, You do something in your church. And I want to challenge you, don't put it off till last minute to prepare but be thinking be planning it out maybe have a month or two a month if you don't use your own uh, quarterly curriculum and you do your own have it planned out think about it pray over it study it have something to give people you know i've traveling back before i was in the pastorate i'd go to different churches all the time and i'd go through sunday school and sometimes i'd teach but when i didn't i'd sit through sunday school and i thought you know what uh, I can see why folks lay out of Sunday school. It's not vibrant. It's not exciting. There's no life into it. There's no preparation. You can just tell. There's no uh, angle of attack here by the teacher. And let's not do that. Let's make sure Sunday school is a great thing. As much effort as we put into Sunday morning service, we had to put that much and then some more into Sunday school. Most of the people that we reach in our church, we reach through Sunday school. Those who come and visit in Sunday school usually stick They get in that smaller setting with a group of people, and they get to know some folks, and you get to talk to them, introduce yourself, and uh, it just seems like it helps. And so I I want to challenge you. Have a vibrant Sunday school. You say, we're not having Sunday school. Get one started. You say, well, we don't have enough space. Figure it out. You've got to get something going like that, even if you have to do it in the afternoon. Even if you have to do it, I don't know, do a Tuesday night Bible study along with your Wednesday. I don't know what you got to do. But figure out a way to get that kind of a, a, a setting in your church for Sunday school. It takes three to thrive, Lee Robertson used to say. And I, I agree with that. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I think it takes four. You know, I think we got to get uh, we gotta get in, in it. All right, Hebrews chapter 5. We've been studying together in this book, the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews is filled with a lot of references to the Old Testament. And that's because, well, Tells you in the title of the book. This book is written to Jewish believers, uh, Hebrew people who've been converted and been saved, and uh, you know now they're uh, they're not uh, uh, they're not involved in what they used to be in, but they do have that pull. That's why the writer that's why the writer sort of encourages and he said, "Don't let these things slip." 
Hang on to them. Don't let it fall by the wayside. Don't go back. Don't revert. You stand true. And so he's making this case that Jesus is better than the Judaism. Jesus is better than the Old Testament. He's better than Moses. He's better than the law. He's the fulfiller of all these things. And now in chapter 5, he's making a reference to the high priesthood of Christ. Jesus is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is one who is a, uh, a Gentile. He's a ruler. Abraham paid tithes to him. He uh, sort of appears and disappears on the page of Scripture, very mysterious. Jesus is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, last broadcast, we talked about how he learned obedience. And I said Jesus didn't have to learn anything. He knows it all, but he got to experience this. As a spirit-filled man, Jesus on earth lived in submission to the Father. He learned obedience. God will let you and I experience things so that we can learn these truths that we already know. We already know that he answers prayer, but then he puts us through a season where we have to have him answer. He, we already know that uh, he can meet our needs, but sometimes we have to go through a season where our need must be met by him. And then we learn these things, not from just reading it, not academically, but we learn it from that experience in life. We talked about verse number 7 a couple of broadcasts ago how that the prayer of Christ was marked with strong crying and tears. He wasn't casual, wasn't flippant, wasn't just something that he did, popping bubble gum, watching his cell phone. No, no, no. He put effort into it, energy into it. The Bible said the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's what gets the job done. Now, in verse number 9, the Bible said, in being made perfect, he became the author. I want you to see the phrase, the author of eternal salvation unto all that obey him. So Jesus endured everything in the flesh that we endure and yet overcame. Jesus lived a life among sinners yet never sinned. Jesus battled the devil and was never overtaken. Jesus overcame. He was a victor over it all. And that qualified him to go to the cross and die for us. He wasn't a sinner. Jesus went to the cross and became sin for us. Our sin was laid upon Jesus. He bore our shame, our iniquity, our transgression. Jesus took it all. The whipping, the scourging, the nails, everything that was due us got poured out upon him. Jesus went to Calvary. He died upon the cross. Why? To become the author of our eternal salvation. He's the one who scripted the plan. He's the one who wrote the story. He's the one. He's the captain of our salvation. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. By the way, he is the author. He's not an author. He is the author of eternal salvation. He is the author. There are not many authors. There are not a number of authors. There's not a multitude of authors. There is one author of eternal salvation, and that is Jesus Christ. Buddha is not an author of salvation. Muhammad is not an author of salvation. Joseph Smith is not an author of salvation. Charles Taz Russell is not an author of salvation. Uh, whoever else you want to name, they are not the author of salvation. Only Jesus himself is the author of salvation. You're listening to me today, and maybe you don't normally listen to this broadcast. You don't normally listen to this station. You're not a Christian, and you're hoping for, for heaven. Can I say you don't have to hope for heaven? You can know heaven's your home, but there's only one way. There's only one truth. There's only one life. There's only one door. There's only one option. And that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not like Buddha. Buddha was a man. Jesus is not like Muhammad. Muhammad's a man. 
Jesus is not like the others. He, they were men. They were ladies. Jesus is God. He is born of a virgin. God manifests in the flesh in Bethlehem so many years ago. 100% God, deity, but veiled in humanity, wrapped in flesh. Jesus came and walked and never once sinned, never once made a mistake. Why? Because he was coming to die for our sins. Every one of us has a sin debt. The Bible said, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. And because of that, every one of us must die for our sins, unless another would die in our place. That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus became our substitute. All throughout the Old Testament, uh, animals died in the place of the Jews. Yes, lambs were slaughtered and cows were slaughtered and different birds had to die to shed their blood to atone for the sins of the people. Jesus came to be our supreme sacrifice. He came to offer himself once and that for all to pay for our sin. Jesus, God, humbled himself. The Bible said he learned obedience. He came to the cross of Calvary. Can you imagine it? As man spit upon his face and as the soldiers uh, scourged his back, as they beat his brow and spit upon him, as they put a crown of thorns deep into his forehead, as they wrapped him in different robes and mocked his name and said, prophesy, who was it that just hit you? As they scorned the one who had given them breath, that created this world, and yet he opened not his mouth. Why did Jesus do that? He had to do that. He wanted to do that. He was our lamb. As a sheep before its shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was a lamb led to the slaughter. Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, carried that cross up a hill. That hill called Calvary, uh, walking up that steep slope with that heavy cross upon his back. He's stumbling under the weight of it, yet he kept walking. Sweat coming down his brow, yet he kept walking. He got to the pinnacle of that peak, laid himself down upon his cross. Why? To be the author of our eternal salvation. He stretched out his hands, and those hands were pierced through by rusted Roman nails. His feet the same. He was set erect. As that cross jarred into its hole, every bone in his body was knocked out of joint. Muscles burning, nerves burning, lungs struggling for air. And yet Jesus did that for us. Why? To be the author of eternal salvation. He cried from the cross after some time it is finished and gave up the ghost, yielded his life because he loved us, was buried in a borrowed tomb, but to show himself as God, he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the dead and walked out of the tomb. And can I say he is the way, the truth, and the life. The gospel is that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. How that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scripture. Jesus said, hey, there's only one way to heaven. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Today you're listening to me. I want you to know Jesus is the author, not an author, but the author of eternal salvation. Right now in your vehicle, right now in your home. Right now in your office, right now at the gym, right now wherever you are listening to me as I speak, if you'll just ask Jesus to be your Savior, He'll save you today. Say, Jesus, I believe you came to die for my sin. I know I deserve hell, but I believe you died for me. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin and be my Savior. He'll save you today. Until next time, pray for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. Listen at this time every weekday as we strive for revival.